welcome back to the Varopolis podcast. It has been a while. We've had our break. We have seen England progress to the quarterfinals of the World Cup and then get knocked out, unfortunately, last night, Nathan. I don't want to dwell too much on it because, of course, this is a Middlesbrough podcast. And actually, a lot of positives to take from even the break. Of course, we had Riley McGree's performances at the World Cup and Australia's success. We've had members joining the coaching staff. And of course, I was about to say we've had one win. We've actually had two, theoretically. Of course, we uh, we beat Hibs in a friendly. But yeah, because we've been away for the sort of groups and the, the early knockout rounds of the World Cup, there's actually a fair bit to sort of chat about. So before we get delved into all of that sort of stuff, Nathan, how have you enjoyed a little break from the podcast and a little break from club football? Yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, um, getting away from Borough for a little while, although it probably did come at a bad time, coming off the back of two wins away at Blackpool and Norwich. But yeah, it was good to watch England for a spell. Um, Of course, there will be many people talking about last night's game and a fantastic refereeing performance, as all the EFL fans will be happy to comment on having watched EFL referees every week it was EFL standard refereeing on the biggest stage and yeah England knocked out by France in the World Cup quarterfinals but the day wasn't entirely ruined as Borough did return back to championship action yesterday afternoon and the podcast has returned again for a very busy Christmas period. So, yeah, there's plenty to get into, as you mentioned there, Chris, before we get into discussing Luton at home. That happened yesterday. So let's just get right into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So starting point, I think we've got to go back to two weeks ago now, I think it was. Obviously, a trip to Scotland for Borough. Uh, mid-season friendly I've got to be honest, it was one of them where I knew there was a friendly taking place. And up until about the day before, I thought, hang on, we're, we're playing a football match. What? This is all in the midst of sort of being in World Cup fever and thinking that England were eventually going to do it, which is always a, a dangerous place to get yourself into. But yeah, it, it I don't want to say it took me by surprise, but it sort of just felt strange seeing Middlesbrough up against Hibs in the middle of um, in the middle of December, um, well, early December, I suppose. Um, so yes, a lot of changes, Nathan. Um, but some things like death and taxes just seem to always happen. And and one of those things is Chubarak pump scoring. I guess that was one of the big talking points from the friendly. Yeah, he's inevitable, isn't he? Um, although that the game is a pretty non-event sort of game it's just a game for the players to sort of gain and maintain their match fitness um tuba scoring is always good to keep up the fantastic run that he's been going on at this current time sonny finch getting on the score sheet as well a young player that played a part in pre-season under chris wilder also getting a run out along with some other young players it's always good to bed those players into the first team. And yeah, a, a, a win 
although it is a pretty non-event game, a win is always good to to breed confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, to be honest, although, you know, some people listening or watching might be thinking, well, actually, we performed extremely well in the Hibs game. I don't think anyone really wants to hear us discuss it at length. I think (laughs) it was a case of we won the game. It was a good run out, obviously a good chance for some youngsters to impress. And of course, the tuba train. Having a slight surprise stop in Scotland is is the main sort of talking point from from that little um, piece of news, I guess. That's that's what it seemed to be in the middle of the World Cup. Anyway, another piece of news, Nathan, was that there was additions to or an addition to the coaching staff. Of course, Michael Carrick's backroom team, and that was the addition of Aaron Danks. Um, recently of Aston Villa in terms of a football and CV as a coach some really quite impressive and um, previous clubs on his CV and although it's not the sort of experienced head that I think most people thought that would inevitably get added to Michael Carrick's backroom team still an impressive uh, impressive addition nonetheless yeah um I hadn't really heard of Aaron Danks apart from a few months ago where he was a caretaker manager for an Aston Villa game against Brentford uh, following the sacking of Steven Gerrard and he managed that game. Okay, he may not have had a massive influence as to as to what went on, but Aston Villa did win that game 4-0 at home to Brentford. Um, But in terms of Aaron Dank's CV, um, he's been in and around football coaching for 15 years now. Um, firstly at West Brom, then Birmingham, and then in the England youth uh, systems with the under-20s and the under-21s. And then uh, before heading to Aston Villa with Stephen Gerrard, he was actually assistant to Vincent Company at Anderlecht, which I suppose is quite interesting, uh, looking, in, looking ahead to Burnley away uh, next weekend. Aaron Danks in Borough's ranks. Excuse that little rhyme there. Yeah, having him involved with our coaching staff won't do any harm in hopefully unpicking Burnley uh, next week. But yeah, 15 years experience uh, as a coach, but in the flesh, looking at him, he doesn't look like that experienced head. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, just in terms of actually looking at him, it sounds daft, but I think when most people, you know, talked about a bit of experience being added to the coaching staff, everyone sort of assumed it'd be someone coming into the club with a bit of grey hair, as silly as it sounds. And obviously that's not the case, but of course, as you mentioned, you know, 15 years of experience and, you know, it can only be a welcome addition to Michael Carrick's backroom team. Um, and another piece of news, Nathan, um, on the topic of youth and on the topic of someone who has impressed massively since the arrival of, of Michael Carrick, Hayden Hackney, rewarded with a new contract, um, thoroughly deserved after his sort of emergence as almost one of the first names on the team sheet over the past few months. Um, obviously, it was Leo that gave him his opportunity, but he's, he's managed to stay in there. And of course, we, we spoke even going back to the last podcast before the World Cup had even started about how impressive 
you know, his, his Norwich performance was. Obviously, he got his goal at Wigan away um, under Leo. And yeah, a, a lot of impressive performances and him and Housen have, have been a breath of fresh air together in our midfield under Michael Carrick. So yeah, thoroughly thoroughly deserved, I should say. And uh, obviously that is until 2026. So a real piece of good news, to be honest. Yeah, it is. It solidifies the future of our midfield and, and, and this team as well. Um, since coming into the side, I think Hackney's been fantastic. Um, so comfortable on the ball, so comfortable under pressure. He seems to be so composed and always seems to make the right decision as well. To have a midfielder in there that gets the ball on the half turn and looks to play forward is always very important. And he's been playing really, really well in the in the past few weeks that we've seen him uh, playing since coming into this Middlesbrough side. And I think Michael Carrick's a massive fan of him as well, featuring in every game so far under under Carrick. So, yeah, long may Hackney's form continue and hopefully he'll be a mainstay in this Middlesbrough side for many years to come. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And of course, also, we did <coughs> have two nominations for um, both manager and player of the month. And I think, obviously, given um, that we would know that Carrick was, was the manager of the month <laughs> nomination, there was only one player that was going to get nominated for the player um, section of those awards. Of course, Tuba up for the monthly awards. Um, unfortunately, neither Carrick or Akpom won. They were pipped by Mark Robbins and, and Victor Jokerez from Coventry, which in fairness is, you know, arguably justified. But, you know, I think, to be honest, Tuba Akpom's probably targeting bigger and better things than some sort of tin pot monthly award. He's, he's looking at, you know, next year's Ballon d'Or, isn't he? So um, I don't think he'll be too bothered by that at all. Um, obviously, after all of this, we returned to championship football. The long, the long-awaited return that's only actually been a couple of weeks, which... <laughs> feels like it's been forever since Middlesbrough played championship football. Um, just talk first about how excited you were to just get back in the Riverside. Yeah, I was. Um, I was really looking forward to getting club football back, if I'm honest. Um, over the last few weeks, I have been missing club football, despite the World Cup being on so much so that I did take a away day visit last week to Shrewsbury Town with Lincoln City. Uh, it was a very, very damp and cold and turgid football uh, away day, really. So, so, so not really too dissimilar to Borough at times. Yeah. But, yeah, I have been missing the club football and, and was buzzing that Borough were coming back. Um so yeah, to get back into the Riverside this weekend was was always a bonus. Arrived early, pre-match pint, thought, yeah, this this is it today. The football's back, the real football's back. But did think that it was very strange that Borough were playing on the same same day as England. And yeah, I'm I'm glad that we're not quite in League One or League Two. Um and hopefully will never be 
in in my lifetime because I couldn't imagine playing during an international break. It just seems so weird. Yeah, it, it really, really was a strange one yesterday. Um, and it almost sort of worked in probably a lot of people's favour. I know it worked in mine because obviously following the England game, of course, everyone felt deflated. And bearing in mind, I was actually out in Newcastle. Everyone was sort of, you know, they didn't have a club result to get behind or cheer them up a little bit. Whereas it sort of took quite a lot of the actual disappointment away. The fact that I was just flicking through Twitter and looking through Middlesbrough tweets and thinking, well, actually, we may have been knocked out of the World Cup, but Tuba Ratbomb scoring goals and the Borough back, it could be worse. And I know, of course, it, it was extremely disappointing. But uh, yeah, it, it did sort of ease that blow a little bit. Um, instead of talking about the failings of England, and I mean, that could be a whole different podcast in itself, Nathan. Um, let's talk about the positive of the day. Of course, a 2-1 home win back at the Riverside. Um, team unchanged, of course. Luton, given that they'd lost uh, their manager before the return of club football, it was always going to be a bit of a strange one anyway because we were coming up against somewhat of an unknown quantity, I guess. Um, obviously, with Robert Edwards' as, as Luton team. I mean, what were you expecting? How did that sort of match up with what Luton actually put up against Middlesbrough, I guess? I didn't really have any idea how Luton were going to come into the game, if I'm honest. Um, we all know what Luton bring as a side because we've seen it under Nathan Jones in the last few years in the Championship. Um, they're a side that have been very impressive considering their sort of transfer budget and their wage structure as well. Um, they're a small club for this division and they've overachieved massively in recent years. Um, but they, they set up relatively similar to the way that they did under Jones with the three at the back, wing backs. They make the midfield very compact with three midfielders in there. And up front, they are dangerous. Their be better players are, are the ones that lead the line for them. Carlton Morris and Elijah Adebejo yesterday. Carlton Morris, a player that has done the business against Middlesbrough before, uh, gave Dale Fry a torrid time at Oakwell earlier on in the year as he headed the line for Barnsley on that particular occasion. But, yeah, I wasn't really sure what Luton would bring. But... Yeah, I was I was hoping that we wouldn't really be focused on what they'd bring and instead we'd be a lot more focused on what we were going to do in the game and how we were going to sort of impose ourselves on them instead. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's quite interesting that you say that, because, you know, that's somewhat been part of the argument with, with England and the fact that, um, you know, sometimes we almost focus on what other teams can do to us rather than our strengths. And that certainly seems to be something that I've noticed that's massively changed with Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough team. The fact that, you know, we take the game to teams and, you know, we've been saying it all season, even under Chris Wilder, 
we've got players to, you know, put teams on the back foot. We we saw that even very, very early on in the season. I'm talking back to the Sheffield United and West Brom games. Um, and I feel like we lost a bit of that, to be honest, towards the back end of Chris Wilder's tenure. And it's just great to see that back, um, to be honest, and, and, and seeing us be a little bit uh, fearless and, and sort of working with our strengths rather than sort of trying to plug our weaknesses almost. Um, so let's talk about the game then, Nathan. Obviously, it was Luton that took the lead and it was almost a goal that was sort of conjured up out of nothing, really. Yeah, it really was. Um, early on in the game, both sides were a bit hesitant to, to to impose themselves on on each other, really. It was very much a stalemate. And then out of nothing, Jordan Clark picks the ball up in, in midfield and, well, really impressively, nutmegs Johnny Housen, sidesteps away from Hayden Hackney and with his left foot fires a shot low to Stefan's right-hand side and into that far corner, sorry, near corner, and yeah, it's a fantastic finish, really. As you say, out of nothing, the, the goal comes. And really, that goal did help Middlesbrough a little bit. It sparked the game into life, I felt. The game was a bit a bit dead in the early stages of the game. It sort of felt like both sides were facing a little bit of a hangover. Um from the break, sort of thinking that it was almost friendly-like um, in the early stages. But, yeah, Luton take the lead and Borough pretty much immediately hit back with a goal from the man himself. Yeah, the tuba train back to his uh, first stop, back to the Riverside. And delivering the goods again, of course, this goal takes him to joint top scorer. Um, in the league, which just even to say that out loud feels crazy considering the situation that we're in at the start of the season with Tuberak Pom. And I don't think out of a lot of good and bad times following Middlesbrough, as, as strange as it may sound, this whole Tuberak Pom redemption arc story sort of script that seems to be getting a new chapter every week it's it's almost one of my favorite sort of storylines or, or narratives that I've ever had supporting Middlesbrough and I know that people might be thinking well it's it's only Tuber Akpom but it's just the fact that he's continuing and did so at the start to just work so hard for the team, whilst also proving that he's actually a very, very technically gifted footballer, all whilst just knowing previously that, and I, I don't think it would be disrespectful to say that he sort of wasn't wanted, really, was he? Um, and yeah, I just take great pleasure in the fact every time he scores, of course, the tuba train has been born. And yeah, I just... I think I said it in the last podcast. I just love the man to death, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yourself and I at the start of the season were sort of making a joke about Tuber Akpom with the Tuber train and, and, and things like that being being made up. And 
it, it's no longer a joke and it's it's just keeps it just keeps on going doesn't it it just keeps on rolling on and tuba week on week keeps on adding to this middlesbrough side and the most impressive thing is he's top goal scorer in the league and he's not even playing as a central striker he's playing as a number 10 and yeah his performances have been fantastic as well as adding goals and and, and the goal itself was a fantastic goal. I really enjoyed watching us us play from for this goal. Stefan out to Giles, Giles to McGree. McGree flicks it round a player and drives forward. And McGree really impressed me yesterday. Um, I think he's sort of thriving off the confidence that he's got having played at the World Cup for Australia. He looked like our best player on the pitch yesterday. And he really, really did impress me. Uh, a, a man that has sort of gone from zero to hero for me in the last few weeks. Um, having watched him earlier on in the season, I didn't see what he offered. And under Michael Carrick, he seems to have been sort of reborn as a as a player that is contributing a lot to this team at this moment in time. And I've been really impressed with him. So in this goal, he, he flicks the ball past player and drives into midfield. We switch it out to that right-hand side, try and create something down that right-hand side, and it doesn't really work. Smith drives inside, gives it to McGree, who's tucked in from that left-hand side, which creates the space for Giles down the left. McGree switches it out to Giles. Giles, with his wonderful left foot, crosses that ball onto Tuba's head, and he nods in, nods into the ground and into the back of the net. And with the weather yesterday as well being a bit icy and a bit cold and a bit damp, it's a hell of a knee slide from Tuba. Um, I, I do love a knee slide and would always make a case that a knee slide is up there as one of the best celebrations that you can have, if done correctly. Yeah. So... Yeah, Tuba gets us back level and gave us a chance of going into the second half of the game looking to come out with three points. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, I mean, perfect. Probably could have done with a little bit more um, rain, perhaps, for ideal knee-slide <laughs> conditions. But, I mean, it was close. And, and as you say, it was uh, um, it was up there. Um, I can I can only remember Daryl Enahan away at Hull getting close to that this season. Uh, obviously, Paddy McNair previously sort of had the the Paddy McNair knee slide almost trademarked by ourselves. And obviously, given that he's not at the team at the moment, he has lost ground in the race for the best knee slide. Um, and and Tube has really put himself up there as a as a top contender. And just on Ryan Giles. I mean, as you say, it's almost becoming a perfect duo of McGree and Giles on the left because, as you mentioned again, the fact that McGree can come inwards and allow Giles to bomb on just suits Giles down to the ground. And, you know, we brought him in as a wing back. I mean... I guess you'd still call him a wing back, even though he's not playing in, you know, a traditional wing back formation. But his quality 
just high down the pitch is I, I honestly can't think of another player in the division where you know nine eight or nine times out of ten if you get him in a position you know that he's going to deliver a good chance or at least a good delivery even if it's cleared or headed away it's going to be a dangerous ball into the box and yeah I mean it's again I can think back over the years and we haven't really been blessed with sort of crossing or, or set piece dead ball ability and yeah I mean, it's it is really such an asset down that left to to have um, Ryan Giles in the team, and I mean, just whilst we're still on that topic, we've got to talk about the the new videos that have been popping up on Middlesbrough's YouTube channel, the sort of like um, regional dialect videos. I don't know if you've seen them. I hope you have, but they are a real real good laugh and the duo of Dale Fry and Ryan Giles is a joy to watch to be honest I'm thinking that they need their own podcast to be totally honest yeah they do it's it's really good to see the the club and the in-house media team creating these type videos they're really enjoyable to watch and also shout out to Owen Swift for his videos with with Tuber Akpom and uh, and Johnny House and most recently as well. They're really good to watch as well. And it's just nice to have an insight into the players and see what they're all about as people as well. Of course, we see what they're all about on the pitch, but it's nice to have that um, personal feel with the players as well. So, yeah, credit to the in-house media team for things like this because they are they are really good to watch and, and, and really good for the fans to see. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And... <laughs> Just listening to Dale Fry try and work out words that he's not um, <laughs> with before is just an absolute joy in itself. So yeah, just maybe he's just make that into a sort of series up until he either retires or leaves the club because yeah, he's got moments of magic in him, Dale Fry, when he's put in front of a camera. <laughs> um, on to the second half, Nathan, of course, of, of yesterday's game. Obviously, the big sort of talking point, and I guess something that changed the way in which the game was going, or at least acted in, you know, as an advent advantage to us, um, is of course the the red card, the second yellow for Amari Bell. Um, he fouls Isaiah Jones, and. I mean, you can't complain about either, really, either of the bookings, but obviously it, um, it gives us the advantage. And, you know, I, I thought we looked dangerous throughout, and it's not to say that we wouldn't have gone on and won the game had we have not had that one-man advantage, but it certainly helped us out. Yeah, it did. You're right. Um, in the first half, of course, Amari Bell was booked for a foul on Jones, and in the second half, he is booked again for a foul on Jones. Um, Alfie Doty, their, their left wing back, was down injured, but he was slightly off the pitch. And I love the fact that we didn't feel the need to wait and be the nice guys all the time. And we just decided to play on. Tommy Smith takes the throw, Borough play on. Hayden Hackney gives it to Jones. Jones flicks it around the corner and... Jones is too quick to flick it round the corner for Amari Bell. 
Bell flies in, kicks Jones, second yellow, off you pop. And Borough have 20 minutes now to capitalise with an extra man advantage. And in the end, Borough do exactly that, exactly the same as we did at Norwich about a month ago with a 91st minute winner, a 91st minute winner from the tree. And the big man pops up again with probably his second chance of the game. He had one with his left foot that he blazed over the bar a few minutes earlier, but a bit of redemption. He gets that goal and Borough win 2-1. The goal comes from a free kick um, off the left. Giles takes the free kick. And it gets cleared away, recycled by Johnny Housen. Johnny Housen gives it to Hackney, his midfield partner in crime. Hackney puts a good ball into an area. And I can't quite work out from the footage if it comes from Dale Fry's head or if it comes from a Luton's head. Um, But the ball breaks and Crooks does so, so well to sort of know that the ball is going to drop where it does and he's there right place right time and yeah he slots home and I thought that the keeper had saved it if I'm honest I thought Hovarth had got his got his hand to it and flicked it away but he didn't have enough the pace was just enough to get it over the line Hovarth flicked it into the corner and Crooks wheeled away and Borough had three points at home a first win at the Riverside for Michael Carrick. So, buzzing. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it, isn't it? And and just as you say there, you know, Crooks, again, as he has done so many times, just finds himself in the right position at the right time. And I was just saying earlier, obviously, about Ryan Giles and, and the fact that we haven't had someone that delivers that much quality into the box for so long. But actually, until the introduction of Matt Crooks, obviously, last season, I, I can't remember a midfielder having that knack and that instinct to go and get in the box and arrive late and just find himself in the right place in the right time for a very, very long time. And it's almost his sort of signature move, whether he's having a good game or a bad game or an indifferent game, you can almost guarantee whilst he's on the pitch that he'll get one opportunity. And in fairness, he seems to put a lot of those opportunities away. Um, And it's quite interesting, actually, that he's his new sort of role, which I'm sure actually, which seems ironic because, you know, he scored two late winners in, in two games. His role at the moment is only an impact sub. And of course, he'll want to be back starting games. But when we are after a goal and he can be pushed that little bit higher um, off a striker or, or even playing as almost like a number nine, really, he's just so effective. He is. He pops up at the right place at the right time, all the time. And... The only thing that I would say about Middlesbrough at this moment in time is if you take Tuberac Pom and you take Matt Crooks out of this team, I don't know where the goals would come from. 
um, that's the only sort of negative that, I've, that I'd have at this moment in time. Tuba, every week, scores goals, assists, and without him, I'm not sure we'd be where we are at this moment in time. Um, and of course, Crooks, as you say, it doesn't matter if he's playing well or if he's not playing as well as he usually does. He does seem to pop up quite regularly, but on the off chance that he doesn't pop up, then Borough are really struggling for goals. And that's the only negative that I'd that I'd sort of suggest at this moment in time, just because you just don't know if these players are going to hit a bad patch anytime soon. Um, touch wood that they don't because things are going really well at this moment in time. And Borough have had three wins out of the last three, but it's just something to bear in mind, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I did want to touch on, actually, um, it's almost a little sort of pet peeve of my own. Um, this talk of, of people almost seeing it as a negative that was scoring late goals, I think it's the biggest nonsense statement in football, to be honest. Um, as long as you're winning football matches... And ironically, again, I think Michael Carey actually answered this question yesterday very well. And he said, well, we're really enjoying all the late winners at the moment and we're just enjoying winning football matches. And the sort of narrative around, well, you know, of course, I'm sure ideally in a dream world, Michael Carrick would like every game to be wrapped up after the 20th minute. But football just doesn't work like that, unfortunately. As long as we're winning football matches, I don't really think scoring late on or, you know, anything like that can be almost turned into a negative. And I just, yeah, that's my only pet peeve. It's not a massive one, but it's just, you know, just in, enjoy a scoring late goals. We went through a little bit of a period doing it under Chris Wilder, didn't we? And obviously... I mean, we all know how that's turned out. And I was surprised to see the man himself pop up on some sort of like Sky uh, YouTube channel this week. I thought he would have gone into hiding um, after some of his comments earlier on in the season um, and not returned for at least a few years. But he's, he's reared his head again. Um, but let's not get drawn on that. But yes, just as I say, you've got to enjoy the late winners. You can't be worrying about if they'll dry up or if they'll, if we won't win, if we don't score them, because each different football match is very different in itself. So for me, just enjoy Crooksy and enjoy the tree popping up whenever he fancies. Yeah, it's, it is one that as a fan, I think that you do enjoy last minute winners. Um, at times, they can come as a slice of luck, like the ball has dropped down to Crooks yesterday and he's got that second chance of the game where he's missed one and he's had had a, a chance to redeem himself and he's done just that and Borough get three points yesterday afternoon. And we've had unfortunate ones like at Watford earlier on in the season where uh, a shot from Gaspar takes a massive deflection and finds its 
its way to their striker Bayo in the six yard box, unmarked by himself with an open net to to shoot at. So they can, they can come at any time. You need a slice of luck at times, and I think that Borough's performances in the last few weeks have probably deserved last minute winners. But you've just got to be wary and sort of well be aware that these last minute winners hopefully aren't papering over the cracks of of performances because I don't at this moment in time I don't believe that the performances are being papered over because we we are playing quite well at the moment and we're probably deserving of winning yesterday and also winning at Norwich a few weeks ago but as long as the performances keep coming in it doesn't matter how you win how you win games whether it be a 3-0 route or a scrappy goal off the tree in the last few minutes it doesn't matter how you win them three points is three points and yeah, hopefully the players' confidence is, is boosted by wins in the last minute because I'm sure that they were thriving off that last-minute winner yesterday. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you make a really good point. I think where some concerns, and I can sort of see it a little bit, where some concerns may come from is if we were performing badly and then just nicking these wins last minute. But as you say, the performances have been there for the most part. And for me, and I think for every Middlesbrough fan, it's so clear to see the improvement and the changes already after such a short space of time that Michael Carrick's already made to this Middlesbrough team. So, yeah, at the moment, I think it's just one of them where you've got to enjoy it, as I've I've already said. Um, We haven't touched on Kieran Scott addressing the media as sort of, I didn't want to just skip over it almost, um, even though it, it chronologically was sort of going backwards here. Yeah. But obviously, we asked, well, I mean, we didn't ask the club ourselves, but we discussed on the podcast that pretty much we'd like some more transparency from the club around about the time where, where Chris Wilder left. Um we wanted to hear from people higher up. And then, of course, we got um, some words and some quotes, obviously, from Michael Carrick's first press conference. But then we also, uh, last week, I want to say, um, got some interviews from the written media and also got a club interview. And there was also an audio um, interview on BBC T's with head of football, Kieran Scott, uh, just in terms of, of standout quotes, really, again, I think the one that everyone sort of looks at and picks at is the fact that he's, again, mentioned, you know, he feels like his job is, is starting now. And that's certainly interesting because it just shows and it is very telling that actually Michael Carrick's role is as a head coach and not as a manager where... You know, I think that's probably where some of the disagreements come from earlier on in the season that Chris Wilder wanted to be too much of a manager. Yeah, possibly. And it seems that Kieran Scott had a, well, quite a poor relationship with Chris Wilder 
as he now says that everyone at Middlesbrough is pulling in the right direction. Um, and yeah, you could see that there was a, a problem earlier on in the season. Um, as you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, Chris, about Wilder appearing on the League of 72's video. Um, I did watch that video, 45 to 50 minute video alongside David Prutton and four other championship fans, those fans being from Burnley, Blackburn, Watford and Sheffield United. And quite frankly, it was the biggest loving I've ever heard of Burnley and Sheffield United. Um, 45 minutes talking about the fact that they're already promoted and that no one's going to catch them and that their resources are miles better. And also that Victor Jokares is the best player in the championship, the best player that the championship's ever seen, ever, because that is Chris Wilder's opinion. Um, But... Yes, uh, Kieran Scott's interview. Yes, it appears now that he is going to be a bit more sort of fulfilled in his role as head of football and will have a, a better relationship with the head coach of Middlesbrough Football Club now that it is Michael Carrick and hopefully the working relationship between those two and also Neil Bowser and Steve Gibson is all positive and they all connect well on every front because that's what we need to have a successful model at this football club. We need everyone to be pulling in the same direction. We need everyone to understand their roles in this hierarchy. And it is not up to the head coach who to sign I don't think I think that it is a club decision who we are going to sign I don't think we'll sign players without the permission of the head coach or the sort of know-how of the head coach they will have a say in that but we will not be signing players anymore off the back of the head coach's view and only his view so hopefully now that we have got a new manager in place. Hopefully, he isn't a yes man. I hope that that isn't the case. But what I do hope is that he uses his contacts with places like Manchester United, places like Tottenham Hotspur, and we are able to use his contacts to sign young up-and-coming players and also players that are ready for the here and now also. Yeah, well, actually, it's quite a nice transition. And actually, this wasn't planned, but just whilst we're on the topic of incomings, um, we're not in January just yet, but we have had our first, I guess you could call it concrete rumour as to who we may be attempting to sign in January. And of course, excuse me, the first player um, that I am talking about is um, Dan Barlassa from Rotherham. Deep lying, um, great passer of the ball, of course. Um, we saw him earlier on in the season at the Riverside, and I thought he was very impressive. Kept the ball ticking very well in Rotherham's midfield. Um, has a good set-piece delivery on him, gets around the pitch well. And obviously that looks like it, it would be a sort of 
longer term signing um, in terms of Johnny Housen, really, because as sad as it is, of course, Johnny Housen can't play football for the rest of his life. Um, but yeah, it, an interesting name to be linked with and, and someone actually that I feel, especially with the management of such a wonderful midfielder during his playing career, I'm sure, you know, not only for midfielders that may sign for the club, but also in terms of, you know, Michael Carrick improving players, it, it seems, and we've seen what he can do with the likes of Hayden Hackney already. It's uh, an exciting prospect. It is, and Dan Barlas has been a fantastic player for Rotherham in the last few years. Um, from the last time they were in the Championship, where I think he was on loan during that time, to last season in League One, where he was among the standout players in League One for Rotherham. Um, and he's continued his form into this season in the Championship, firstly under Paul Warren and now under Smith. Um, yeah, he's he's a combative midfielder, six foot tall. And what I do think that stands out is he's from this sort of neck of the woods. He's from... Uh, well, your neck, your neck of the woods, Chris, up in Newcastle, um, and also Michael Carrick's. So I think that looking at that link, you can maybe see why we are being linked to him. Um, if his family perhaps wants to move back up further north to to sort of the northeast of England, um, but yeah, at twenty five, he's still got his best years ahead of him, and he's already proven to be a, a decent player at Championship level that possibly could even be developed into a top half, top end championship player. So, yeah, a, a nice link to a player so far. The first link of what I think will be quite a busy January for us. Looking at reinforcements to this side in a, a number of key areas, I think we'll be looking at midfielders. And again, I think we'll be looking at forward areas if I'm honest, um, to sort of back up what I said earlier about where the goals are going to come from if Juba's goals dry up and if Crooks sort of doesn't pop up as regularly as he has been doing. So I think that those areas will we will be looking at in January to strengthen on, whether that be in the short term with loan deals or whether that be in the long term, planning for the future and... In this case with Barlassa, I think that that's a name that could be mentioned in the replacement list for Johnny Housen. Because as you say, Chris, he's not going to be around at Middlesbrough forever, but as unfortunate as that is. Um, but for the time being, his performances continue to be fantastic and he's improved as the season's gone on, um, I think I can't remember who mentioned this, but someone said that in his time at Middlesbrough, under various managers, Johnny Housen, um, his performances peak and then gradually get a little bit worse as the manager's about to leave. And then when a new, when, when a new manager comes in, his performances yeah. start to progress again. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's just sort of weird uh sort of trend with Johnny House and that. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's not so. one that I thought of actually, but 
in fairness, just quickly thinking about it now off the top of my head, yeah, that does sound just about right, actually. Um, and it just goes to show what a vital part of the team he is. And obviously, as you said um, earlier on, the, the partnership that is forming between him and Hayden Hatney is a really enjoyable one to watch. Um, just finishing up now, actually, on in terms of looking ahead and um, wrapping up the podcast, I guess, actually, it seemed to have flown over being <laughs> back already. But um, yeah, we're at that stage where we look ahead to the next fixture, Nathan. And as you also did mention, it is Burnley. There is a connection there with our new member of the coaching staff, Aaron Danks. Um, it's going to be an incredibly difficult game because we take on the league lead as Burnley. Yeah, it's a game that is probably going to be our biggest test of the season, going away to Turf Moor. Uh, it's an absolute dump for a first first sort of fact for people. It's not an opinion, it's a fact. Um, but, yeah, the, the ground sort of is exactly the opposite of what their team is at this moment in time because the ground's an old sort of worn down horrible place to go and the team that's on the pitch is probably stylistically one of the best in the championship so far this season and looking at the table you can just say that they are the best team in the division at this moment in time Vincent Company of course manages Burnley um Glad to see that he got out of Lee Tomlin's pocket after all these years. Um, but, yeah, he's doing an incredible job, isn't he? Um, being linked to a few Premier League sides because of how well he's performed in his early months as Burnley manager and his first job in England as well. But, yeah, Burnley are completely the opposite to what everyone knows them as. Um Everyone will think of Sean Deitch's long ball, 4-4-2, hoof ball, sort of anti-football anti, anti way of playing. Whereas now, under under company, it's, it's very much possession-based. Keep the ball, create chances. The front sort of trident of players behind of Jay Rodriguez or Ashley Barnes create all sort of, all sorts of problems for teams. And yeah, it's going to be a very, very difficult test to to go there and 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 win, but to go there and get anything as well. Um they've just come off the back of this afternoon winning 3-0 away at QPR. Okay. QPR are in a bit of a difficult period at this moment in time, having no manager. Okay, they've they've just appointed Neil Critchley in the past hour or so. I think as this podcast is being filmed, but we're managerless today. And yeah, Burnley performed quite well this afternoon as well. Ran out three 0 winners, but it's it's going to be an incredibly difficult game. As I said, probably our dif- our most difficult game of the season. We've just got to hope that our players stand up and face the music in what will be a difficult atmosphere as well. I can imagine that that ground is going to be booming on Saturday for those players at Burnley. Um, 
I think it's already a sellout. I know Borough have sold sold our allocation of 2,250. And I think Turf Moor's a sellout as well, which it's the last game before Christmas. It's a really, really big game. They'll be going into it full of confidence. We'll be going into it full of confidence as well. We'll just have to see. It, it promises to be a really, really good game of football. But one question that I would ask of you, and I want to see your opinion on this, okay. is with Burnley performing at the way they are and being top of the league, and I think no. they're, they're eight points. No up. game is a free hit in this division, Nathan. <laughs> I'm putting my foot down. They are a very good football team. And in fairness, even since their first game of the season, live on Sky, I was taken away at the transformation that they've undergone under Vincent Company. They play, and it, it feels ridiculous, me talking like this about Burnley. And I don't think most football fans will probably ever get used to it for a good couple of years. <laughs> they play beautiful football, interchangeable in formations and wingers and as you say their sort of attacking front for um possession based it's it is genuinely for a neutral they're a very good football team to watch but they are also a championship football club and yes of course they are doing extremely well but so are we at the moment and you know we may go there and they may play us off the park and you know, it's not out of the question because, as I say, they're a very good football team. But from what I've seen of Middlesbrough of late under Michael Carrick, I don't for one minute think that it's not a game where we shouldn't be, you know, going there and thinking, well, we can cause them problems. And, yeah, any suggestions of free here? I mean, we went at Old Trafford last season and, and knocked them boys out of the cup. We turned over Spurs at the Riverside as unless we were playing Man City or <laughs> I mean one of the real big hitters, I honestly am of the mentality at the moment, probably just with the way that we're performing because we've sort of peaked a little bit in terms of our season so far. Um yeah, I'll take on anyone, Nathan, and I think that's the attitude that we've got to go there with. Well, I will be there on Saturday afternoon at Turf Moor, stood on them horrific wooden seats. Yeah. And I will be cheering on the boys from that corner of Turf Moor behind the goal. And as the famous quote is from Kevin Keegan, I would love it if we beat them. I would love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, when we started recording this, I really, really wasn't expecting any quotes from Kevin Keegan to be brought up, but the fact that you've brought that in is absolutely fine with me, and I couldn't agree more, to be honest. Um, yeah, it is going to be an extremely difficult game, but there's no such thing as a free here at the moment. I'm not having it, Nathan, and I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> I might come back to this and completely regret it, but no such thing at the moment. Um Unless there's anything else to touch on, Nathan, I think that is the first podcast after the break in the championship. Back done, wrapped up. 
and we're ready to get back into the the grueling division that is the Skybet Championship. Yeah, I think it is. Um, just lastly, up to 12th now in the table. There's no point really looking at the table because it is so, so tight in the Championship. It's not even funny, really. Um, you look at us in comparison to the playoffs and we're four points behind sixth place, which I think at the minute is Preston. And they came off the back of a, an incredible win yesterday where Blackburn, who were third, and I think are still third. Yeah, I think we are, yeah. Um, where they, they battered them 4-1 and then were seven points off, off the relegation places now, which is beautiful, by the way, considering that we were loitering down that end of the table for, for quite a long period of time. But it just goes to show what a few wins in the championship can do for you. Um, after Black, sorry, before Blackpool, we were still in and around that area, thinking, "Oh well, if we get beat by Blackpool, imagine how bad that looks at the table." Yeah. And yeah. now we we are we're glad to be uh in the top half and 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 looking up rather than well well down at like the one or two teams behind us that were there for the start of the season. So. Yeah, hopefully things are looking up and Borough can go to Burnley next week and get a result, a positive one, would be uh, would be lovely. It absolutely would, Nathan. Um, so I think all that is left to be said really is um, as usual. And, you know, because we haven't recorded a podcast in a few weeks, I've got to say it, if you have enjoyed watching or listening... <laughs> whether that be on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you do get your um, podcasts from, please make sure to subscribe and follow and, of course, give us some kind ratings. As a, as a Christmas gift to us, Nathan, I hope I'm not asking too much there. I may well be, I'm not sure. Um, but, yes, uh, please do be kind on all that sort of stuff. It would be massively appreciated. Uh, and finally, Nathan, um, from me and yourself, that has been the first episode back after the international break of the Brothers podcast, and we will see you again next week. Oh,